everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Badland Girls. I shouldn't have shook my head like that. I have a headache. Uh, I'm Rhea. <laughs> and I'm Destiny. <laughs> so I hope it's so not stupid. a bad one. No, no, I just, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a tension headache because I pull the straps of my CPAP really tight so that I it doesn't uh, get loose and leak Mm -hmm. air because earlier this week it started leaking air and I was having nightmares about stomach cramps and I woke up and I was super gassy. What a fun morning that was. Oh no. (laughs) That's one of the stupid side effects of the CPAP, but worth it to sleep. So how are you? Yeah. I'm glad you're sleeping. Thank Uh, you. I'm okay. I, uh, what have I been up to? Not much. Just, you know, working and I've been rewatching Six Feet Under, which was my favorite HBO show in high school. I thought it was The Sopranos. Mm, I went back and forth, but Six Feet Under was the one that meant the most to me. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> How is it again? Rewatching it later. It's it's great. It's okay. probably my third or fourth time rewatching it in general, and it's still really resonant. And even when it's cheesy, it's still great. Um, I forgot how soapy it can be. But overall, I think, like, the acting is brilliant. And the writing is just above a lot of other shows. And the characters are just, they're everything. I just, I love it so much. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, we're going to actually, this is a good topic to ease into later after we do our regulars. But we're going to be continuing our cozy theme because it's winter and it got super cold all of a sudden and uh we're going to be talking about cozy uh tv movies and video games which is kind of exciting yeah i um tend to veer in that direction as it gets colder i just want things that like remind me of childhood and feel warm in some way yeah but I have a question for you, actually, before we get into cozy shit. Yes. So opposite of cozy. So I was reading an <laughs> article on Bitch, uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a woman just kind of detailing the uh, the kind of uh, just spike in true crime media that we've been getting lately and how it seems to be grossly exploitative in a way that she says is justified by saying the people who are, you know, profiting off these stories basically are, you know, pretending that it's somehow good because it's feminist and it's uh, liberal to do so. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. That's a huge question. Um, <laughs> I know. God, let's start off the podcast like this because I found it. Love me a hardball. Because <laughs> I found it interesting because um, she mentioned in her article, and I will link this too to our on our webpage. But I, she mentioned in the article that you know people who used to be interest in interested in true crime. You know, it was kind of this thing where it's like, yeah, I'm interested in true crime. It's sick. It's sad. It's weird. I don't give a shit. But she says she feels like nowadays uh, people are using the justification of 
social issues to uh, explain their interest in true crime and try and make it more important. Yeah, I see that too. I definitely see that, especially in like the years that My Favorite Murder took off and the way they have to kind of reframe it as like empowering, (laughs) which I don't think it is. I think even as a true crime fan, like I'm not going to delude myself into thinking that me watching a TV show or listening to a podcast about the worst day in somebody's life and their family's life is anything but a little voyeuristic. Oh yeah. Um, And I'll own it. Like I'm not going to make excuses for it. Like I think it's fascinating. It's like uh, one of those things that I've always had an interest in. I'm not really, I don't know. Uh, can't really defend it though. <laughs> yeah, see, I, and, and, go on. Sorry, we're on the same boat here because I feel like I know it's sick and weird. And I don't. I, I'm just. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of in this. We're, we are on the same page because, like, I feel kind of yucky about it. Like, I'm not gonna pretend I don't. Like, especially in the wake of watching horror movies about. Well, I'm going to say it, you know, sexual assault and murder Mm -hmm. all fucking October (laughs) and realizing that, you know, you know, these things are real things that happen. I mean, it's not that I realized that these were real things, but I I knew I know and I've always known that these are real things that happen to people. So there's kind of a yucky, murky line between... uh, what did I say? Voyeurism. Yeah, and, voyeurism and, and entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I I don't know if I should defend it, and that's kind of where I'm torn, because I don't think the argument. I just don't think. I just don't think it's very. Uh, a good. It's not a good argument to go. Well, it's feminist because <laughs> yeah. like, in what way? That seems so bizarre to me. Like that was the part that I really wanted to talk about because. I mean, I, I do this and I don't, I, there is not one moment where I'm thinking I'm a better feminist by, by listening and being entertained by this story. <laughs> by, by having a John Benet Ramsey theory, <laughs> I'm a better feminist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't, I, maybe I'm misunderstanding the argument. And no, I don't, I don't think you are like, at all. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't think you are at all. It's just very interesting to me. I feel like, uh, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a fascinating argument. And there's a lot of podcasts that I don't know about that kind of touch on this. Like one of the th- ones she pointed out uh, on the on her in her article were these two white people, a man and a woman. I think they're a couple. And I think they just used to have a real fluff podcast and then they hit it big by starting to cover true crime and they're the number one Patreon, uh, at least at that time. And their header image is them throwing confetti on a pink background, promoting their true crime podcast. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We just can't pretend it's something that it's not. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yeah. That's that's my stance on it. I, 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 I would never, like, I always flirted with the idea of doing a local true crime podcast. Like, I had a friend in mind. I had a theme song in mind and everything. I got that far. Mm. Um, we had we were bouncing around titles. It never took off because I never felt truly comfortable making that into something that could be entertaining for people. 
um, even though it's something that I'm interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same thing. I was uh, thinking about doing a <laughs> podcast with my dad about all the people he knows that died. And then I just felt a little weird about, <laughs> about it. There yeah, was something just, weird about like, it. They're real people. And yeah. these things happen to them. And I don't feel comfortable. We did a true crime episode. And I remember like in the middle of telling my story, I was just like, I feel gross. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, I, I, I will say this to kind of close out this topic. I know it was kind of a heavy one to start with, but I am really happy okay. that I, I was introduced to true crime through you because I actually didn't uh, follow true crime very much until you told me about my favorite murder and last podcast on the left. And I feel like I could not have had a better, more grounded guide and I didn't get too stuffy about it. So I'm really happy that you were my guide into <laughs> true crime. <laughs> my introduction to true crime was a paperback book on serial killers in high school. Do you still have it? And no, just a library copy that I used to get all the time. What was the name of the book? And I don't know. It was published in the 90s. There's a lot of books like this. Mm. Um, I would have to really look, but it was just like a compilation of stories about different serial killers. And it wasn't sensitive about the topic. It was very sensationalist and... I, did, I wasn't very critical of it as a high schooler. It led me to Helter Skelter. It led me to filming a documentary about Charles Manson in the middle of the snowy season, <laughs> pretending it was California with my friends. What? Uh, I wish I could watch this. I wish I still had the footage because uh. it's, it's long lost. But yeah, we pretended that we were filming La Ciel Drive on... Uh, August 1969, but it was actually, you know, 2002 in snowy Nebraska. <laughs> and my friend uh, dressed up like the, the uh, maid at the Tate house and we filmed him discovering the bodies and screaming. And I remember my friend having a little pregnant belly being Sharon Tate in our little gross movie. Holy <laughs> shit. This was for a science project. Did you get an A? I never finished it, and we never turned it in, so I failed the project. Oh, my gosh. Because it was way too hard to film. Like, it was way too ambitious a project, so we never... <laughs> I just have the footage of... I believe his name was Ryan, just running around screaming at all the bodies, and then, like, me doing narration about, like I said, the date and the address, and tried to explain what happened. <laughs> God, I want to recreate this so bad. Destiny's lost film. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, I mean, we were little ghouls. I don't know that kind of stuff, like, especially being young and fascinated with, like, human nature. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see anything inherently wrong with, like, getting curious and wanting to, like, look at horrible things as a form of understanding the world. But I also think... You know, when we, as podcasters, you know, want to present things and create, uh, you know, what we it is we create, maybe we should be a little more, like, thoughtful about it. I don't know. I, I don't mean to throw a bunch of people under the bus. Oh, no. I don't think you're doing mm -hmm. that. I just think it's an interesting discussion. And uh, I actually liked her angle because usually the angle is 
in articles like these, like, why are we so obsessed with true crime now? And I'm like, man, we always have been. And Yeah, it's not anything new. Yeah, but she was just t- tackling it from that perspective of, like, people try to use it to kind of prove that they're a good moral social upstanding person and i'm like wow what i'm like how can they possibly do that (laughs) like i get people like okay so i know one thing that the hosts karen and georgia of my favorite murder like do is they make sure like a lot of their money gets donated to like the rape kit backlog and um a lot of like social issue causes and i think that kind of is why it gets conflated with these sort of social justice things Mm. not just them i don't think they're the only ones doing this kind of work but like they're the biggest names doing that kind of work yeah so maybe that's how people manage because i mean even karen and georgia spin it into we just wanted to talk about this weird shit we're into and you made a community and that's the beautiful part and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but just don't pretend it's something it's not. <laughs> yeah, really. It's it's weird. Uh, Destiny said little ghouls earlier. Yeah, you have to just be one with your ghoul. <laughs> yeah. Just admit yeah. It. it. We all like horrible shit sometimes. And, yeah. And we go through phases. Like, I, I find <laughs> this is going to sound really fucked up, but when I'm having like a really bad day, sometimes I will put true crime on on purpose to give me perspective. God, if I don't do the same fucking thing. <laughs> I'll just go, you think your day is bad? Well, listen to this. <laughs> it's like kind of ridiculous. And no, I get it. Totally. But okay. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I can't make any lofty claims of trying to be a better person. I'm just, it's just something that's always been a fascination. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, no, you. Thanks for asking that. It's fun to talk about this kind of stuff. If you have opinions on this, you should write in battlinggirls at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm curious because it, it got, definitely got me thinking, uh, which usually these kind of articles are usually so haughty and snooty. I'm like, eh, whatever. But this one actually got me thinking because I didn't know. And uh, I, like I said, I will link the article in our webpage and then you can read it and then you can email us and we'll, we'll talk about it. But thank you for uh, taking this little diversion with me, Destiny, because I was just, it's been oh, on my brain and I wanted well, to really talk had, about it with you. Really had me on my toes because I really had to sit and think about it because I'm like, I really haven't formulated because I've been seeing a lot of the backlash to a lot of true crime and shitting mm-hmm. on true crime fans and uh, like I've been seeing a lot of that and it's just like, well, I'm not going to defend myself, but I'm also not going to stop listening to true crime. Yeah, like, I'm still going to listen to it. I That's just who I am and what I do. I I do think you're right, though. But yeah, I do think My Favorite Murder kind of made the, the line between social justice and doing the right thing by listening to two, true crime more blurry. Because not only did they, they donate to those causes, but sometimes they have like... Remember that one story that Karen retold of like a... It was from a television show and the woman wrote in... And said she was thankful to them for sharing her story and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. See, that kind of stuff, it definitely can can kind of make a, a casual listener think like, well, I'm doing the right thing by listening to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. Right. And it's like, no, you're just listening to it. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> yep. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. Let's get into our regulars. What was the last movie you saw? I just watched, uh, I rewatched an old fave earlier this morning called The Velvet Vampire, 
which is a 1971, I believe, film uh, directed by a lady named Stephanie Rothman about this groovy bisexual vampire that seduces a couple, which I always say my favorite genre of movie is New York in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think my f- second favorite genre of movie, if I'm going to get ultra specific, is 1970s bisexual vampire lady. <laughs> These are the most specific categories I've ever heard, and I'm living for it. <laughs> I just really realized, like, in my 30s, like, this is what I'm into. If you, if you, if you have these things in your fiction, I will be there. <laughs> I've never seen this. I, I want to now, though. It's a good time. It's, okay, like, on the scale of good and bad, like, it's not as good as the best of this genre, which is Daughters of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Which is a European film with a way more glamorous vampire who's seducing a couple. And um, the worst of these movies, which I can't think of a title off the top of my head, but some of them are really, you know, they're hit and miss. Uh, <laughs> this one's squarely in the middle because I feel like it doesn't play up the queerness as much as I'd like. Mm. And it's, but it's really, really, like, she has a lot of glamorous outfits and. She's just constantly trying to fuck, and she's just <laughs> this awful uh, rich bitch who eats raw meat and just wants to be with her dead husband, and I just, I don't know. It's, it's a good time. This is just about a woman in Beverly Hills right now. <laughs> she just happens to suck blood. What's your problem? <laughs> Speaking of vampires, I actually started rereading um, the comic American Vampire by Scott Snyder. I started a while ago and never finished it and he had a new volume come out. So I decided to reread what I read before and read the ones I'm missing. And man, is that an excellent vampire comic. If we're, since we're talking about vampires, my favorite vampires are the vampires that kill motherfucker. They don't give a shit about romance or being sad. <laughs> they just are straight up killers. <laughs> yeah. I like my vampires a little more on the lover side. I think <laughs> I love those too, but I just, I don't know. I was, uh, Stephen King, uh, wrote, co-wrote the first volume with Scott Snyder. And in the beginning he had a introduction and he was talking about how he loves vampires when they're killers. And I'm just like, ah, man, me too. I love a good vampire killer. Like just, a like kind of more actiony and just like horrifying and and stuff like that. I, I don't know. It really, it really wets my whistle. I'm from 1950. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, the last movie I watched, I don't know if you saw this. You said you were going to, but we can talk about it together if you did. I went to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I saw it last weekend, actually. Yeah. So this movie was really cute. I thought it was a cute movie. I really like McKenna Grace. I think she's adorable. And, um... Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's not much more to say except it was really cute. And uh, uh, we're going to go into spoiler territory here, uh, so spoiler alert. But I guess we're just in the future now where instead of recasting an actor who has passed on, they're just (laughs) going to do CGI versions of them. And I'm not sure how I I... feel about it. This is another thing I'm of two minds about. I literally had this conversation with two different people the day I saw Ghostbusters because we watched Halloween Kills a few nights before and there was a CGI Donald Pleasant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 
it didn't really bother me. And I said to my roommate, I was like, well, if I passed on, I would love for people to remember me and, and love me so much that they just want me in the future <laughs> being in the movie. Yeah. But it's like, and my roommate pointed out, well, Donald Pleasance didn't really have a say in that. Now, did he? And it's like, that's a good point. <laughs> so See, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds about it. Sometimes I think like, I really liked seeing Carrie Fisher in whatever Star Wars movie where you got to see Carrie Fisher. Now I can't remember. They all blur together. A Rogue One. After she passed. Yes. And that was uh, two. And... That was two different people because they also had Peter Cushing uh, CGI oh, right. running around yes. as General Tarkin. Which was like the first time I had seen that in a movie, yeah. I believe. I mean, okay. Yeah. Technically... I, don't, I don't hate it completely, but I also think it's gimmicky and kind of stupid at the same time. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's I am also of two minds of it because I just feel like it's something I have to get used to because <laughs> I feel like it's going to be done a lot more. And I would hate it. Like I read an article. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What are you going to say? Because I'm going to go off topic just a slight. Okay. Uh, I will say this. I uh, Tracy, I went to go see the movie with uh, Tracy who loves Ghostbusters, and she loved this movie. Yeah, renowned Ghostbusters fan. Yeah, yeah. who I expected to love this movie. Yeah, and uh, she said that the directors and the writers and shit, they really, when they did uh, the CGI uh, um, Ramus, they really wanted to just do less of Ramus and more of the character so that it was respectful, but also, you know, like they weren't recreating Harold Ramis for this movie, which that kind of made me feel a little bit better in a weird way uh, because they didn't just try to recreate him. They were trying to do an aged up version of Egon. So that kind of made me feel a little bit better about yeah, it. But that still involved using Harold Ramis. I know. It's I weird. Know it's weird. <laughs> I'm not arguing. I'm just pointing out that they're, like they did it without cartooning him like it looked like him i don't know i i i guess because his family was involved i don't see it being the biggest problem and uh but what i was gonna say (laughs) do you remember when that story was going around about kanye west getting kim kardashian this like hologram video of her late father oh my uh what's his name whatever kardashian i don't know her father that died in the 90s Mm -hmm. um he got like a hologram video card made for her on one of her birthdays or some shit of him talking to her and i have a dead parent and i was thinking about this and i was like i think that's i wouldn't want that don't ever 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 make a hologram of my mother (laughs) talking to me it's just so presumptuous it is so like it's 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 too weird i i think it's too weird i'm just too divided from the reality now if it was a hologram of a recording that my dad recorded before or my mom recorded before they died okay but if it's not that's just you kanye's putting words into my dad's mouth you (laughs) that's exactly what it is i'm like uh, my mic is going to the right a lot, so I apologize. Um, peaking, that's the word I wanted. Uh, that's exactly how I feel about it. It seems like it's more f- for the living than it is about the dead. And so, like, I think people should ha- feel however they want about it and whatever. But my personal stance is that, like, I wouldn't want that to be done to somebody that I lost personally. Yeah. 
but I still have, since celebrities are so separate from like who they actually are, what is my point? It's really easy to do it with a dead actor. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something kind of charming about it, right? Like, yeah. It's even if it is a little ghoulish. It is. Oh, again, we're somehow ended back on the ghoul topic. And I'm just like, I yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just I feel like I have to like we're living in a world now where the director of Black Panther had to promise they would not do a CGI version of Chadwick Boseman. And I'm like, what the fuck future am I living I, in right now? I don't want a futuristic uh CGI Chadwick Boseman. I want Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. I wanted a flying car. I don't want this stupid technology. This sucks. Yeah. So I guess that's my decision on it, I guess. It's like, I'm I'm, I'm not going to hate it completely when I see it in a movie, but I am going to roll my eyes a little. Yes. It just feels odd. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, going back to the movie, going back to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. Okay. I was very mixed about this film. Oh, really? I don't... I like Ghostbusters. I do not have a lot of, like, sentimental attachment to Ghostbusters. Uh, It was a staple of my childhood. It's a lot of fun. I fucking love... You know me, uh, old head SNL alumni is my shit. Mm. Uh, So anytime you're like, oh, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm fucking in. Uh, So, like, I didn't know they were in this. I'm like you know, head under a rock, never watch a trailer person now. Cause I feel like the less I watch a movie, the better, or excuse me, the less I know about a movie going in, the better it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad I didn't know about the cameos and I didn't know about half. Like I knew there was a CGI Harold Ramis and that was all I knew. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that like they got everybody back together for the movie. And uh, what I did like about it was I like, uh, was it PG 13? It was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the return of the t- PG-13 family movie. Um, I know it's a dumb 80s nostalgia white guy thing to be into, but I, I don't hate it completely. I have a lot of soft spots for <laughs> a lot of shit from the 80s. and But it was kind of like overdone in this movie mm. going into the con territory. Like, I really thought the score was grating. Mm, mm, yes. Oh, my God. Just because they want you to feel the Ghostbusters vibe so hard. It was like they were, they they veered into try hard territory Mm. with that score. Um, there was a lot of that. Um, I liked a lot of the acting. I love Carolyn Coons. I love, um, Paul Rudd. Uh, the kids were really cute. I liked the little podcast boy, even though I don't understand how she had so much trouble making friends and she makes a friend instantly. As soon as she starts summer school, kind of thought that was a weird little plot hole mm. um <laughs> like a stupid quibble um my favorite line in the movie was a very sl- slight one where they're walking together um the main girl and her friend podcast and they talk about ghosts and he's like you don't believe in ghosts with all the evidence and i just thought that was really cute that is cute um he said one yeah, of my I other favorite the... lines uh it's when paul oh, Red really? was trying to point out that they did they didn't know about the Ghostbusters uh, uh, attack in New York, and he's like, "You really podcast? You don't know about this?" And he's like, "I'm ashamed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid was really good. I, I enjoyed him. Uh, I don't know. It was just it was a uh, very like like you said, very cute, very sweet. But at the same time, I'm like, I am so tired of having nostalgia kind of shoved in my face 
that there, there's something in me that's like resistant to this kind of movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even it, if it was like perfectly. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just trying to think of like my favorite franchises and things from childhood. And I mean, most of them have already been made into movies, already been made into like things that are commodified. You know, you can't get away from it. Um, and there's nothing that I, I guess even if this movie was tailor made to my sensibilities, I still would have problems with it just because I'm so tired of nostalgia mm. in general. And I know that is ironic considering the theme of our episode today. Yeah. What's interesting to me just, is that this movie did not originally start out as a family friendly movie and then somehow evolved into being more appealing to kids than I think they ever would have predicted. And uh, it was funny to try and see them kind of skirt some of the more quote-unquote adult topics of the first movie, like the fact that the key master and the gatekeeper fuck to open the door. And uh, I thought that was kind of silly. That's why I call this movie cute, because I feel like it's it's a it's it's an interesting take on the evolution of Ghostbusters that started out as kind of like a a PG-13 silly fantasy comedy and ended up being more appealing to children than they ever would have expected. It had a cartoon and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then now we have this movie where it is literally a family movie with children in it. And uh, I I definitely feel like it's made for Ghostbusters fans. But, you know, one of the big appealing things of Ghostbusters to me was the fact, like you said, that SNL alums were were in it. Dan Aykroyd is a treat whenever I fucking see him. And just the fact that they weren't the focus is kind of what took a little bit away from it for me. And, uh, you know, I I could have used more Paul Rudd. This just all goes back into saying, uh, going all this is to say that they should have fucking continued the woman Ghostbusters film because that fucking movie <laughs> ruled and I felt like was a real successor to the first Ghostbusters film. Um, yeah, that's the other problem I have with Afterlife is it pretends that the other Ghostbusters movie didn't happen when that was a perfectly cromulent Ghostbusters movie. That movie ruled. <laughs> I love that movie. And I feel like it's... it's more, I had a good time. Yeah, I feel like it's more in line with what Ghostbusters originally was and fucking everybody ruined it. (sighs) I just don't need more Ghostbusters. Like I'm fine leaving it where it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we're going to make more like fine, but uh, just stop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Just stop with it all. Just make an original thing for once in your lives. Next time I'll have a horror movie to talk about because we need a palate cleanser for me. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But let's go on to... Badland Girl. Badland Girl. That's That's my my jam. jam. Destiny, what is your jam? Well, last night... Oh, boy. I was scrolling through my Twitter feed (laughs) and I got the news that Stephen Sondheim had died. Oh, yes, I saw that. And every, like, sad, mostly queer theater kid on my Twitter feed, which I follow a lot of you. Bless your hearts. I had no idea. (laughs) Some of you were taking this really hard. And I just, uh, I know I spent most of my night just listening to my favorite Sondheim songs and belting it out. So my jam today is We Do Not Belong Together from... Sunday in the Park with George, Aww. which uh, I, I like the Bernadette Peters and Mandy Patinkin uh, 
original cast recording of that and that song is just like this intense just diatribe of this man who can't see past his art to look at the woman in front of him and uh i don't know it just it's a good one it gives me tingles um so i was just like i'm gonna listen to some sondheim and just revel in what he created that's beautiful i love to hear that oh <laughs> yeah the the all badland girls that's my jam with more emphasis on the awe. yeah <laughs> Aww. And then I'm going to ruin Aww. it because my jam is a K-pop jam from uh, the very uh, coolly named Monster with an A, X. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the song is great. But that's a very, like, that name evokes a time and place, doesn't it? It sure does. <laughs> well, this is one that just popped up on uh, my, like, radio after I was listening to some BTS songs. And it's in English. It's called One Day. And it's like a very synth heavy, kind of like late 80s, early 90s, kind of slow jammy esque kind of thing. And I really like that shit. And I just was like, ooh, I love a song that just carries me away on the kind of, on their kind of synthy waves. It's so, it's so much fun. That's pleasant. Yeah. That sounds pleasant. It is very pleasant for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a word I've been throwing around a lot lately. Like, oh. That sounds pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, so this episode... Good jam. Yeah, thank you. Uh, This episode took a lot of weird twisty turns before we're getting to our more pleasant topics about cozy things. Oh, I'm good. I'm super pleased with it, though. Oh, yeah, me too. I just think it's... It's so (laughs) Badland Girls to be like, we're veering left, we're veering right, and now we're we're, we're going straight. (laughs) Okay, yeah. For a little bit. Probably not for very long. No, I didn't knowing us, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning, we're continuing on our cozy theme, which is so much fun. I really enjoyed that music episode we did. I thought that was great. I listened to those playlists we made yeah. uh, so much. Oh, my God. I, like, fucked up my Spotify algorithm. <laughs> yeah, yours is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. So is yours. You had some, like... Just, like, you expanded the theme for me in a lot of ways with your playlist. So I I had a good time. Oh, that's awesome. But, yeah, we wanted to talk about some other kind of, like, media that soothes us during this time. And this is actually a topic that I don't... I don't... I'm curious to see what gets drawn out of me. Because I usually am very much a a one-and-done. So I read something once, I watch something once, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm moving on and I have a really good memory. So I remember a lot of it. So uh, it's been a while since I've like rewatched a movie over and over and over again, which I feel like is kind of, you know, a requisite for kind of cozy things. So I'm curious to see what comes out. But uh, what about you? What about some cozy movies and television that you kind of gravitate towards? Okay. Well, just like, I feel like up until maybe five or ten years ago I was the opposite of you where I reread and rewatched constantly more than I actually watched uh stuff for the first time and like I um tried to come about this kind of in the same vein as I did with the music discussion we had Mm -hmm. where I was like you know stuff that makes me feel kind of nostalgic kind of warm a little melancholy Uh, And then I realized a lot of this overlaps with, you know, this time of year. So it's not just things that 
comfort me in general, but it's also just like the things that evoke Thanksgiving and Christmas for me. Um, and the two like media things that stick out the most are not even specific. It's <laughs> what I wrote was in my notes. Any Disney animated picture made before 1997 and anything with a Muppet in it are probably <laughs> the things that encompass this category the most for me. I did just see your tweet of uh, Gonzo and Rizzo from the Muppet Christmas Carol. So is that one of them? Uh, I didn't list it out specifically, but that is probably my favorite Muppet movie. Mm, it's good. Um, it's way like the acting is way better than it should be. It's like Oscar caliber. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, it's just very warm. It's very, I, I can't use enough adjectives. Or, or excuse me, this, I, I have a small rotation of adjectives I keep using. And then it fits all of those things. Um, and then like, uh, when I think about, I, I tried to expand it out a little more. The first movie that came to mind was Harold and Maude. Mm, that's a good one. Thank you. It's it's got even like an autumnal color palette as a film. It really does. <laughs> yeah, and I think that has a lot. And uh, and uh, what's another movie with an autumnal color palette? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh yeah. Yeah, just stuff like that. Um, I put Six Feet Under on my list. Um, when I'm thinking Disney animated pictures, I'm thinking just stuff that really resonated with me as a child. So like Alice in Wonderland. Um, Aladdin, The Lion King, just <laughs> takes me back. And I don't revisit them now the way that I did when I was younger. Um, but I've seen them so much that, like, they're just cemented in my uh, mind. Yeah. And so, so, like, even just thinking about them is like, ah. <laughs> Do you want to revisit them this year, maybe? Uh, I did revisit Alice in Wonderland and had a great time. Uh, and I think I will watch. I think that's one of my Christmas things because I don't do well with Christmas. Like I always say, like, I need to be emotionally ready. And then I never quite get emotionally ready mm. for Christmas. And just the backstory, it's just it's it's more dead mom stuff. It's that was her favorite holiday. Mm. So without her, it's, it's not as good. It's just not as good. Hasn't been good in 10 years, uh, 11 years now. Um, I've had some like beautiful Christmases with my, you know, chosen family and I love my family, but like, it's just not as good without my mom flat out. (laughs) And that's, Um, that's totally okay. Sorry. I think. Yeah. I think it's, I just, it makes me sad because I wish that like I could get my love for it back, but I just don't think I ever will. No. As long as you have, so, you know, good connections. Yes. And I'm very lucky. I have a lot of great people in my life. So I can create, like, a lot of good new memories of Christmas. Like, that's kind of the goal. And I think, like, uh, your suggestion is a good one to just revisit some of the stuff over this time of year. So I feel comforted instead of, um, what's the word? Like, I, I don't want to feel lost. I don't want to feel depression i just want to feel like the things that you know make the the positive parts stand out Mm. more oh uh another one this movie has more of a winter palette but it's edward scissorhands oh my goodness 
Oh my goodness, Edward says her hands. I once made Destiny film yeah. a video of me twirling in the snow after we were leaving Crystal Jade. <laughs> <laughs> and she hummed the song for me. <laughs> Do you remember that? I forgot all about that. No. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, Tim Burton movies also in, in the cozy category. A lot of his older ones. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he definitely captures that for me. Even though, like, Nightmare on Christmas, Nightmare Before Christmas, is not one of my favorite, like, childhood films, even. I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, And I, I consider it a Halloween movie. I'm that girl. No, I consider like, it a Christmas I don't movie. Really... <laughs> like, that's really funny. Yeah, I, I never am in the mood for it at Christmas. I'm always like, Halloween, let's watch it. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, you know, you were talking about Disney animated films, and I was thinking about some some of the films that kind of fit this kind of cozy vibe for me. And one came right to the top of my mind that I haven't thought of in many, many years, and I'm actually going to rewatch it. It is Robin Hood. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. I haven't watched that in years. Yeah, I mean, like, it's my... It, it was something that was just a big staple of my childhood. It's actually... We were at a, a birthday party a couple weeks ago, and um, and one of the prompts was uh, uh, Nick the Fox from Zootopia, and somebody, we were playing like a little telephone drawing game, and then somebody said that Fox Cop from Zootopia, and uh, I thought it was Robin Hood. Like, my first thought of a fox <laughs> seeing a fox is I'm like, it's Robin Hood, obviously. And I just totally forgot yeah. about that movie. <laughs> so that's so funny. And you can kind of see where my mind is at. So yeah, I'd like to rewatch that one. I feel like that might be a good one for me to kind of see. And then there are certain shows that I kind of, not anything like specific, but like a show that will always make me feel cozy. I'm realizing is any Star Trek, like any Star Trek. Yes. Any anywhere yeah. like i can put that on there's a pluto tv channel pluto tv is just this free streaming service it's just like having cable where they play commercials but you can watch like movies and different tv shows and they have channels devoted to various shows and they just have a star trek channel and i can just put it on in any place and as long as it's not a star trek i haven't seen i'm on board <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's so wonderful that there's so much new star trek to just kind of add to my little cozy collection and I really yeah. associate that show like strongly with like my parents because they both really like Star Trek. So it's something that we watch together. And uh, similarly with MST3K is kind of a cozy show for me because of just, you know, the kind of cozy curling up on the couch, watching it with my dad all the time. And I did tune in to a little bit of the Turkey Day Marathon. Uh, I was just about to ask. Yeah, it was fun. I liked it. <laughs> I watched like maybe half of the brain that wouldn't die and then i had to like go about and do thanksgiving things so i didn't watch as much as it as i did last year but it was i'm glad it's still going and i'm excited for season 13 yeah they're doing this movie called the christmas dragon that looks wild uh anytime they pick like one of those like cheesy family movies they're home runs yeah oh my goodness for real the christmas dragon they're touring <laughs> They're touring with a, um, like, E.T. ripoff that I kind of want to, like, track down. If they do, like, I don't know if they do streaming shows with COVID. I don't know. But if they sell tickets for that and it's one of those things where I can 
stream it. I will. I might actually get tickets for that. Yeah, I. They were showing commercials for that, and I'm like, "What is this movie?" I thought it was Mac and Me, and then it was something completely different. Yeah, they did Mac and Me last season. Oh wow. Which is like about time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like watching. Uh, well, I always watch cartoons, but uh, I really love watching uh, just a lot of getting into a new cartoon series is really fun for me. And um, I'm currently, I started DuckTales, the new DuckTales, which is a wonderful show. I love it. I hear the good things. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, one of my, my favorite cartoon right now uh, is finally going to be dropping the third season on HBO Max. And it is Craig of the Creek, which is the ultimate cozy show. I love Craig of the Creek. The episodes I've seen have been great. Yes. I haven't gotten deeply into it, but I've watched it here and there, and it is a good show. It is like the perfect evolution to everything Hey Arnold stood for. And Hey Arnold was one of my <laughs> top cartoons as a kid. So seeing the this kind of like uh, grow from where Hey Arnold started, is it's joyous to me. I love Craig of the Creek so much. That's awesome have any new animated shows uh, aside from like i watched the fuck out of uh lower decks i guess it's, i have star trek prodigy yeah which i'm i'm liking so far oh i include those all in star trek you know like i include prodigy yeah me too, picard, me too. discovery I'm, lower decks yeah i haven't watched picard yet and i'm still like two or three seasons behind with discovery oh, man. but i'm almost done with voyager how are you liking voyager Enterprise. i fucking love it I think it's great. Is it comp- Janeway might be up there with one of my favorite captains. Like Picard is my favorite, but Janeway is coming in hot mm. at, at his heels. I uh, eat it up. Everybody complains about it. I'm like, no, it's it's perfect. <laughs> it might be the coziest of all the Star Treks. It's so like committed to not changing the status quo of what it is. And people found that very frustrating when it was on the air because, you know, it was right after DS9 and, like, you know, they wanted, like, a meteor thing. But as a comfort show, it is tailor-made for, like, people who don't give a shit about that. I know. I don't know what season you're on. Well, you're almost done. But you... I'm on the final season. Okay, so then you already got to the com- the maximum comfort episode, which is uh, Chakotay and Janeway getting stranded on that planet and almost living their, like, little house on the prairie. Oh, that's a great... That's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this is... Uh, extra, extra, read all about it. Uh, your girl is a Chakotay Janeway shipper. Bless. Um, <laughs> I love to hear this. <laughs> I know, I know that Chakotay kind of sucks. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> They're clearly in love with each other. Oh, man. I love that you've made this very firm stance on episode 27 of, of The Badland Girls. It, it pleases me. I'm pleased. Uh, well, this is something uh, me and my roommate have friendly arguments about all the time. And I won't get into who they ship since that's their business. But <laughs> I like my, my roommate has a very good ship oh that my I God. don't disagree with. But I feel like Chicote and Janeway just fucking make sense. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love this. Talk about veering. No, I yeah. know. This is a great veer. Are you kidding me? We'll stay in the fucking Delta Quadrant forever. To, in this in this fantasy of hearing more about your ship. I love it. Do you have, um, to change the topic slightly. Yeah. 
comfort video games oh. because I have a I have well one franchise and then two specific games that I want to talk about. Uh, and I, I have a feeling we'll overlap for sure. I definitely have comfort <laughs> video games that I gravitate towards. Um, uh, and I, I think it's no surprise that Animal Crossing is probably my top comfort game, my top game of all time. Uh, it just uh, Destiny showed me this in a park parking lot i pulled over i don't know where we were going but i think we had some time to kill and i pulled over and you were showing me animal crossing new leaf it was the bug tournament that day and i just remember after i dropped you off i'm like i have to get a 3ds and get new leaf and um, (laughs) i just got the dlc and uh for uh new horizons happy home paradise and i love it i think it's amazing and uh Animal Crossing will always be a game that I gravitate towards to comfort me. Uh, Resident Evil as well, which is so bizarre, I know. But there's, I don't know, it's been with me since I was a child and a, t- a teen. And it just, even though I'm, I'm playing it for Tracy now and just showing her what it is. And uh, I've screamed more than she has on this game I've played millions <laughs> of times. <laughs> and even though it kind of causes anxiety <laughs> and fear sometimes, it's still just, I don't know, just the idea of, just the, the story of it is very comforting to me. And um, That's wonderful. There's actually a few, uh, I didn't want to go on too much about this, but there's a, I love a good indie kind of like one-shot game. And uh, I have a few that I'd like to talk about. Uh, first of all, Untitled Goose Game, which came out fairly recently. Oh, yeah. That game is so comforting and also hilarious. <laughs> I only played it all the, like, I played it all the way through in, in a, my first sitting. Mm. And I haven't revisited, but that's a great, great contender for cozy games. Yeah. And then another, um, another one is a, a Short Hike which is also on Nintendo Switch. I just got it recently. It's about a little... You play a little bird, and she's vacationing in this, like, national park, and you just basically walk around the park and explore it, pick up twigs, help people who are also vacationing, and it has a very beautiful story as well. And uh, I thought that game was gorgeous. It's so cute. And then uh, this is actually a game that Destiny recommended to me, and it kind of got me on these kind of one-shot indie games. Uh, And to me, I I think about it a lot, and it is super cozy to me. It's Gone Home. And I think that game, I think about that game a lot. And it's such a great game if you've never played it. And I never played their other game they made, the spaceship one. And, uh, that was a good one. Oh, okay. Tacoma? Yeah. Oh, you would love it. I got to play that one. And then I love Gone Home. And I also really, I just thought of this, a Firewatch was also an excellent kind of cozy game for Firewatch. me. Firewatch. Firewatch was the first game that popped in my head when you said this. Like, I was like, I hope she brings up Firewatch. Because that game made me like, it was, okay, so I, I can't do a lot of walking with my disability. And so, like, being able to, like, go on hikes in this, like, beautiful national park in this game with your little camera ah so sweet Mm, for sure like i didn't even need the story to that game i just needed the parts where you're just a park ranger yeah i agree i agree it's it's it was cool i love that game it's gorgeous too yeah it's gorgeous 
What about you? Oh. The first game, like, I... Well, Animal Crossing is an obvious contender because, one, uh, and I'm thinking specifically of the last three Animal Crossing games, uh, Wild World, New Leaf, and New Horizons, which I don't like New Horizons that much, but I include it because I'm playing it now with the DLC and everything, and I still find it, like, really soothing and comforting to, like, decorate and talk to my villagers and fish and catch bugs. Like, I redid the whole Thanksgiving storyline over, uh, not yesterday, the day before yesterday. Mm Um, just because it felt nice um even in this game that i'm not not super crazy about like this the basic mechanics of animal crossing are comforting no matter what the game is true true (laughs) um then one from my childhood and this is a weird one for me to pick because i never finished the game but i am the queen of starting this game playing it through for ages getting stuck on something and then just quitting and starting over again years later is uh, Legends of Zelda A Link to the Past. <laughs> or no, excuse me, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. You know, I'm glad you brought up Zelda because my first Zelda game I ever played was Breath of the Wild and that was a super cozy mm. game for me. Yeah, Breath of the Wild is fantastic. Okay, so what I system was Link puzzles? to the Past on? Not Link to the Past, uh, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening, I'm so sorry. Uh, it's okay. What? Link to the Past is a good game, but I cannot get through it. It's too hard for me. <laughs> Sometimes I hear um, about these old uh, Zelda games, and they do sound tough. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm just not very good at video games. Like, I'll be honest. Uh, but uh, that being said, Link's Awakening is a 1993 Game Boy game. Oh, okay. So I had it on the Game Boy as a child. Me and my sister took turns playing it. And she was much, always, and still is, much better at video games than I'll ever be. My sister Tabitha. Um, But that's an aside. Uh, (laughs) And it's just like, you wake up, you're you're Link, and and you've got amnesia, and you're on this island. So it's not really in, like, the main Zelda storyline. But you're, you're on this island, and you're traveling through, trying to, like, you know... Uh, I can't remember the overall goal, but, you know, you're just going through this island, you're going through the dungeons, you're getting all your magic, you're getting all your items, and it's a Zelda game, but, I don't know, the music's really cozy, and, like, the setting is great, and, um, just, since it was my first, I, I believe it was my first Zelda game, I didn't play the original Zelda on Nintendo, even though I have, like, vague memories of somebody in my family owning it and maybe watching them play it. But the first that was the first game I ever played myself. And I just remember, like, it just felt so satisfying to play. Oh, man. You just reminded me, yeah. <laughs> like, Shenmue was like that for me uh, when I was a oh, teenager. Oh, good choice. It I was, could see that being cozy. Yeah. It was like the first game I I ever played that had, I mean, it had a a narrative, but it was a little bit more loose than like a Resident Evil, let's say, or like a a platformer where, you know, you have a set goal. You have to do this and do this Mm. to get to this. But that one you could spend days and weeks just kind of exploring. I mean, there was one day I just went and knocked Yeah, open world games. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say open world games 
are inherently comforting. Yeah. <laughs> it's at least to the battling girls. Yes. I think that was like technically my first one. There was one day I spent just knocking on everyone's door. And I just, that's <laughs> no point to it. I just, I just went and knocked on everyone's door and I just found so much satisfaction in just that simple action. <laughs> one that I came late to and I played with a lot of cheat codes was Earthbound, which I know a lot of people grew up with and have a lot of nostalgia for. And that kind of, I never played Shenmue. I watched the infamous giant bomb let's play or playthrough of that, uh, <laughs> which is really great if you've never seen it. Um, maybe, I don't know if, if you really, really like the game, it might not be your cup of tea because they, they kind of shit on it, but Dude, it's I, one of my favorite things. This is one of the things they shit on that notebook because I, <laughs> I don't remember. I replayed I just, that and I, I was like, fuck, that. this is hard and vague. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of, what do they call It's called the Shenmue Endurance Run. That's what it's called. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you can just, you can just watch this on YouTube and it's, uh, weirdly, <laughs> this is going to sound real weird giant bomb clips are cozy for me uh because i associate them with like when me and m were dating and like when we first started dating was right around the time poor ryan davis died and like so we were just like knee deep in giant bomb nostalgia (laughs) at the same time i was getting into giant bomb as a thing (laughs) so like old clips of him and stuff on giant bomb are like uh, weirdly comforting and cozy, just as a connection to video games in general. I think you showed me some giant bomb clips of uh, one of the the women playing like a horror VR game, and just her like noping through the whole game, and it was super funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, those. Uh, that's a weird one because I never really thought about it until I just started talking about it now. Just like thinking about that Shenmue endurance run, mm. and I'm just like, that's a. That's, I could see that game being that way for people, but I my memories of that game are them playing it. Oh, man. It's, it's kind of weird. Not weird at all. Um, <laughs> another one I wanted to shout out. Uh, I played this on the PS2, but I believe it is... Is it an older game than this? I don't know. I'm... I'm I, I don't... Unlike our friends that have normal mapping, I don't have a head for video game dates. Um... Or console releases. But I played a fuck ton of Harvest Moon Wonderful Life on PlayStation 2. Yeah, you talk about this this a lot. It's a cozy, it's a cozy classic. Like, it's the same old Harvest Moon plot of you've inherited this farm and you need to go take care of it. And you're new and you're meeting people in the town. But, like, the setting is literally perfect. (laughs) And just the repetition is just transcendent <laughs> i don't know what it is about this game it, i uh i really wish i had something i could play it on now because that's all i'd be doing mm. that's beautiful. <laughs> that would take me into christmas spying oh, that's i love that though now i just want to like a hunt down a ps2 for you and we're gonna hunt down this game together <laughs> i might still have my copy i don't know i i have to do some digging around at my grandma's place but um and i'm pretty sure there's a ps2 in this apartment okay because i'm all into nostalgia (laughs) recently i mean i don't know if you saw me but i gave uh rob my ps3 
so that he yeah. could play these uh, uh, NCAA sports games that he hasn't been able to play. And he's been texting me <laughs> pictures. He's like, I'm having a blast. <laughs> so <laughs> I love him. He's so goofy. So I'm, he's such a damn dad. I know. <laughs> so like now it's like my fucking life's purpose that you need to boot up this game again. <laughs> I'm going to do some research. I'm going to see, one, I'm going to see if I still have my original copy and if, <laughs> and if we still have a PS2 because, uh, yeah, that game is just, you know, just you're farming the land, you're milking your cows, you're feeding your chickens, and then you, you go out to the local bar and you talk to the beautiful girl that lives on the big farm. Are you going to marry her? Are you going to marry the other beautiful girl that works at the bar? Are you going to marry the mysterious redhead that comes into town every fall who's kind of like, you know, shut off, but she's, you know, there's a lot there. If you're willing to listen, <laughs> you're like sucking us into this plot of like, who you're going to marry. <laughs> and then once you do pick one of them and marry, and, and I have the, um, they, they like remastered the game and added another bride and she's a bit young, but you know, she, she's like, a piano player and she's rich and you could get into that life too nice um yeah no it's it's a good game i uh oh and, and special shout out to the sims 3 ah. for being the game i play the most when i'm like i just need to be comforted no <laughs> is there any other like your giant bomb uh talk about watching their videos comforting is there anything else that's like not part of this little list that we had that you just kind of like that's like a media you watch that you just kind of gravitate towards for comfort i went through a phase where i would re-listen to um what podcast like there were a handful of podcasts i would re-listen to idle thumbs which is like have it has been and will will be on indefinite hiatus probably forever Mm -hmm. Um, which is a video game podcast. And then uh, the Canadian podcast, Stop Podcasting Yourself, which is just, you know, two hosts and a guest goofing around. It's not about anything. Uh, That is one that I can just go back from the first episode on and just listen to all 700 episodes (laughs) and laugh like I'm hearing them for the first time. Aww. I'm trying to think of other like cozy podcasts. Um, the Relentless Picnic, which just released merchandise, which I'm not buying for myself because I have to get Christmas presents and oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> but uh, they, <laughs> I, I put like seventy dollars worth of stuff in my cart, and then I was like, I can't justify this. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite favorite podcasts. It's hard to classify. It's just like they pick different themes and talk about them, kind of like we do it. But they're like just well-read weirdos <laughs> and they just dissect things in very unique ways and uh there's a lot on the like there's a lot about politics there's a lot about philosophy there's episodes where they like focus on a specific thing like they did an episode just about citizen kane they did an episode just about money um their most recent season is well it started out as a sort of like examination of Henry David Thoreau Walden and like juxtaposing him with like Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber 
But then COVID happened, so it's also about isolation and uh, the things that connect us as people. Because it was, you know, three friends, and then they all got moved into different states because of different things that happened in their lives. And uh, the season is called Cabin, which... um, so good it's so cozy it's, it's exactly like you hear the word cabin you're like yeah yeah that's, that's what i want <laughs> well i have uh my comfort thing that i i do a lot i haven't done it recently but i might was um so i mentioned earlier when we were talking about true crime which feels like 10 years ago uh <laughs> i mentioned earlier that you know destiny got me onto last podcast on the left which is my number one favorite podcast and there was this episode a series of episodes they did on the gulf breeze sightings which is a ufo quote-unquote sighting uh by this one guy living in florida in like the 80s and it is Ah. so ridiculously funny and and is like my ultimate comfort just to listen to this guy bumble his way through uh taking polaroids of these alien crafts and then the guys at MUFON show up, and it is absolutely hysterically funny. And it just brings... I, I never thought I'd like UFO stories, but this one really brings me so much joy and comfort. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, abduction stories were my favorite. Oh, You should watch... Um, is it the first season of the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries that has the alien sighting episode? Oh, I don't know much about Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, you should watch the. There, there's just one supernatural episode in the first season, and it's the it's about a bunch of people that saw a UFO. Oh, interesting. And talked to every single one of them, and like how like they were all kids when it happened. Some of them were, and they, and they talk about their different perspectives on it and theories on it, and it's pretty good. That Netflix Unsolved Mysteries, don't sleep on it. Okay, it's pretty good. <laughs> I won't. They did one about uh, another good one for the second season uh, was supernatural. It was about the. Japanese ghosts that uh, came about because of that tragic tsunami earthquake oh. that happened uh, not too long ago in our recent history. Yeah. Uh, real tragic event, but they talk about all the, the ghost sightings that came out of that, and they also follow this monk who just, like, to, instead of counseling people about their grief, he just decides to open a cafe. <laughs> it's really sweet. Um, just a grief yeah, cafe? I, 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 in a in a way, yes. Oh wow. Uh, but it's much more joyful than that. Oh. I don't really know how to put it into words, but like you should definitely check those two out. Uh, they're the like stronger episodes of that show. There's some really good like straight up unexplained death episodes too that are stellar. But if you're going, if you want a little something, at least for me. When I'm thinking about nostalgia and coziness, I'm thinking eight-year-old me under the covers reading about aliens and ghosts. Aww. Uh, um, so that's a little more on that side. Uh, the unexplained deaths are the sorts of things that used to freak me out as a child watching Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> we would have been the best of friends as children. <laughs> I know! It makes me sad that we didn't know each other as children, because you seemed like a really cool kid, and like... <laughs> I um I would have loved having a friend like you as a kid. Oh my goodness. Someone write a book about me and Destiny except we're children detectives. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be Harriet the Spy. Oh, I wanted to be Nancy Drew. Perfect pair. Oh. Speaking of childhood nostalgia, 
coziness. That is a book that I could probably read right now and just go back to grade school. I've never read it. I should read it. I read it because I was like, I gotta prepare for this movie. <laughs> I saw the movie. I just didn't read the book. <laughs> That's the kind of kid I was. I was like, oh, Nickelodeon's making a movie adaptation of a book from the 60s. Okay, I gotta track this book down. I do think it was because of you <sighs> that I read that Mrs. Basil E. something something as an adult. Oh, uh, the one about the... It's not the one where the kids stay in the library or the museum overnight. Yes, that is the one. Oh, what is that book called? Uh, it's like the mysterious files of Mrs. Basil E. something. Yes. Okay. Somebody write it. Yes. Because I, I know what you're talking <laughs> about and I don't want to Google it since we're like an hour in yeah. and I'm like, not quite ready to wrap up, but I'm also like, we should wrap up soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think this is a good place to stop. Uh, I just... Okay. I like to I like talking about all of these cozy things, and we'll be back with more cozy things. We're just gonna do cozy things until the end of the year, where then we're gonna talk about our end of the year <laughs> shit. Okay. Which I've already uh, been thinking about. I, <laughs> I have not imbibed that much media from this year, so my lists will probably be like just things I've been into more over than best of the year. And that's um, the kind of list that I'm gonna make too, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm really bad at keeping up with, like, like, and you've noticed probably as a listener, we just, I just don't keep up with, like, new shit the way I used to. There's so much <laughs> shit out there. It's like, how can- There's so much shit. How can you? <laughs> it's like- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of it. Um, but, yeah, that's just, I'm old. And, and it's, there's too much. Oh, Disclaimer, boy. I know I'm not that old, but there's too much. There is too much. There's way too much. But, um, but yeah, you, sh- you should write in badlinggirls at gmail.com. Tell us your cozy things. I always like discovering new cozy things, just new things in general. It's yes. one of my favorite things. Yeah, when I was compiling the list for this episode of stuff I wanted to talk about, I tried to mix modern things with things that like comforted me when I was younger that I would like to return to. Mm. And uh, it's surprising how much of it was stuff I had came about into. Uh, my, during my late 20s, early 30s. Like, I wasn't into Star Trek until then. I wasn't into, like, certain... Uh, like, I hadn't played Animal Crossing until then. So it's, it's just kind of uh, interesting. Yeah, very. And, uh, like, I've been saying this for years now. Fucking years. But this is the year I do it. December, I'm going to read what I think is one of the ultimate cozy book series for children. Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> oh. That's a good one. When I was in, f- I never read those. Yeah, when I was in fourth grade, we read the first one, which is Little House in the Big Woods, uh, and I always loved that book. But I want to go back and read um, all of them, which was basically Laura Ingalls Wilder just telling what frontier life was like. <laughs> I should find some cozy books to get into because I wanted to have cozy books to talk about, but I didn't really have anything like that I had read recently that made me feel specifically cozy. But there's not really a lot in like when I'm looking at literature I don't really go for cozy Mm. what do you go for so it's like (laughs) good question I kind of just like it's been a while since I've read some fiction I'm reading fiction right now which is like my fifth fiction book all fucking year I've read so much nonfiction. wow but my idea of cozy in a book or excuse me excuse me what I go for in a book is usually just a really strong story really strong characters um I, I I don't really need it to be 
super plot heavy like uh i like plot heavy books but i don't know uh one of the best books i read recently was um the secret history which is about this group of um college kids at this sort of fancy pants school that get really deep into this like ancient greek class that they're taking and they accidentally murder a guy and it's just about how this like secret tears them all apart holy shit yeah it's um there's a aesthetic dark academia i feel like it's like somewhat inspired by this book the book was written in the 90s um but it's very like that aesthetic and i guess the author like was friends with a bunch of writers she was friends with like brett easton ellis and stuff and some of the characters in the book are like thinly veiled versions of her college friends who like also became famous writers so it's it's a great great book so like that was a weirdly cozy book because it took place on the east coast and like the way she describes the setting but it's also like i don't know uh but that's like just to give you an idea of what kind of stuff i like to read and the book i'm reading now is kind of an exorcism story it's called a head full of ghosts by paul tremblay oh i heard good things about that it's so far so good there's a few quibbles uh so far but like i'm i can't put it down Mm. so i'm clearly having a good time (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i don't i usually go for like different things that i'm not getting from movies or not getting from other forms of like media in my life um i guess well i would still like to do like a whole episode about books that you find cozy because honestly you were describing that academia book and i'm like you said academia and i'm like already cozy i'm like (laughs) yeah there's something cozy about uh cushy college yeah life yeah uh don't know what it is but (laughs) well that can't quite put my finger on it well that is a topic we will get into next time and like Destiny said, okay. you can email us thoughts, opinions, quotes, comments, recipes, a picture of yourself to Battling Girls. I'd really like to hear your, or sorry. Oh, battlinggirls at gmail.com. What were you going to say? I was like, I'd really like to hear your um, takes on this true crime discussion we had just because I, I want to hear all kinds of opinions on it because I, I, I'm still too mind. Yeah, <laughs> same, same. And uh, you can find... Uh, show notes and more episodes at abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls and we're on twitter and facebook it's badlandgirls just search badlandgirls and you'll find us and uh we will be back in two weeks to talk about more cozy things wrap a big oh and blanket around your shoulders (laughs) yes get get your warmest sweater and your hottest drink um i was gonna say if you want to listen to some if, if if it pleases you and soothes you to listen to our voices which i cannot imagine anyone would find our voices soothing but <laughs> uh our classic episodes are, are battlinggirls.com still a thing yes uh the first first run of this podcast before we moved to abnormal mapping all still there for your listening enjoyment and the blogs are all intact yeah so uh check out battlinggirls.com yes if you're feeling nostalgic and uh check out destiny's other podcast repertory screenings uh, what are you watching Oh, we are about to watch one of my favorite movies, Peeping Tom. Oh, wow. Cool. Yep. Considered the first slasher. Oh, this is exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so hype. Well, until next time, always Always pizza pizza rolls. rolls.